Welcome to the Parenting Show with Pina Crispo from ChicMama.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday and welcome to the Parenting Show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca and uh, we're wrapping up a very important week, a fun week. I'm not sure if you may or may not know, but it is Computer Science Education Week. It is the last day, but it doesn't mean that it ends there, which is why I brought on a special guest to join me on the show today. I'm talking about Brent Yakovac. He is a dad of two. He is a teacher at West Ferris Intermediate and Secondary School in North Bay, Ontario, and he's also an Apple Distinguished Educator. Hey, Brent, how are you? I'm fine, Peter. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, So I mentioned that we are wrapping up Computer Science Education Week. What is Computer Science Education Week? So Computer Science Education Week is a week where we're focusing on activities that promote uh, an understanding and awareness of uh, of programming, computers, uh, and coding. And uh, it's a really important week uh, for us in education because of uh, the importance of making students future ready. Uh, A lot of experts out there will tell us that uh, the jobs of the future are going to require students to know about coding. Maybe not be programmers or coders themselves, but to have some understanding of what coding is all about. So things have changed quite a bit from when I was a kid in elementary school and high school. I like to pretend that it wasn't that long ago. I like to pretend, but it was. And and things have come a long way. Technology is ever-evolving, as we know, and... And so this is something that is crucial and important in the education of our children, because like you said, we got to get them future ready, right? Um, but 2020 has thrown us this major curveball, which, by the way, thank goodness for technology, because a lot of people are able to um, do online education and don't have to go in without technology. Um, that would be challenging let's just say um same thing with radio right now since march i've been doing the show from home and we're using technology right now to see each other on camera um while we call into the station so 2020 has been a crazy year and you know we're in the middle of a pandemic things look different what what does that mean like how things changed for you as an educator um when it comes to like coding and helping your students with that stuff. Are you in school right now or do you teach online? Uh, I, w- I was teaching online back when schools were closed uh, last March, but uh, we're, we're in school now. We're running an octomester system. So eight courses over the, or the, the, uh, the full school year. Um, one course is taught over the, the uh, taught over 20, 20 plus days. So it's a little strange there. Uh, the students are in class with us for six hours a day which I'm sure is challenging for them uh, to mm. be in. I think it would be challenging for anybody to be in one room for six hours a day. Um, but I think uh, teachers, uh, administrators, students, everyone's been fantastic about this. Uh, and really, uh, you know, we, we've been doing our best to just move forward, make the best out of it and, uh, and try and make things work. And I think that's the most important thing here is, is people making things work. Uh, yes, the situation that we find ourselves in is less than ideal, but it's not impossible, and that the, you know there isn't uh, there isn't anything that we can't overcome here to make uh, to help make a difference for the students and to help them be successful this year. And, and especially in in light of the time we lost last year, there's there certainly are some gaps in uh, 
the students' knowledge. Uh, that's something that we, we've taken into account this year uh, moving forward to try and make sure that we help them uh, bridge those gaps and to move forward and be successful. So were you using the pandemic and the whole stay-at-home, um, well, from like March to June, were you guys using that as a benefit when it comes to computer science? Um, I think it How made, it if we're... If we were talking about coding or programming, I think it I think it made it a little more difficult for us to uh, do things perhaps the way that we normally would. But uh, one of the nice things about coding, uh, the way that we do it, uh, West Ferris is part of the coding continuum, is that it's 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 something that the students really can do at their own pace. So it can be it can be very self-directed. Uh, and with the technology we're talking about, things like Zoom, uh, GoToMeetings, uh, Microsoft Teams. All these different video conferencing options that we have available to us it, it certainly makes it easy for us to connect with students if we need to not to mention in terms of just you know email um, our ability to use platforms of using education things like edsbead uh, we use for actually uh, communicating with communicating with parents as well as uh, providing them information about student grades so we have all that all those things that are in place that allow us to continue that communication you know it's unfortunate we don't have the face-to-face -face that we normally would yeah. to the extent perhaps we would but um, certainly we, we do have, I think one of the things that the, the pandemic proved that we do have the technology in place that we can do more stuff uh, electronically. I don't, I'm, I'm not an advocate of moving everything online personally. I think that uh, students need to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction Definitely, uh, with teachers yeah. in a classroom and with, and with their peers. I think that, that uh, socialization piece is critical as well too. And it's, it's maybe something that, you know, even if you're meeting um, through Zoom or, or through uh, GoToMeetings or something like that, you get to see uh, your peers, it's it's not the same as being in, in school with them. So yeah, I think we, we bridged the gap successfully. I think we were able to use that technology and get by, you know, and do kind of emergency learning under those circumstances. Um, and certainly I think for, for us at West Ferris and myself uh, being part of what's known as the STEAM program, we do a lot of blended learning in our school. So it was very easy for us to transition to, to online learning with students. Um, perhaps not as easy for other teachers, but uh, for us, it was pretty simple to do. So my question is like, do you, do the schools now like, okay, cause my kids are small. So I've got Samantha who's nine, Liliana seven and Marcus is five. Okay. Mm -hmm. so they're still in grade school. Um, and I don't hear so much on there. And like, I know that they are on computers. I know that they're doing some stuff, but I don't really hear much about coding or computer science specifically. So how does it work? Um, is it something that is rolling out slowly across all the schools? Is it a computer science class? Or is it a club like a STEAM or, or STEM club that these kids take part in? So in, in, in elementary school, up, up until now, it really would be kind of up to the teachers to try and integrate that into their courses. Just recently, they actually added coding into the math curriculum. So I think it's something that we're going to see become more and more prevalent. It'll have to be uh, moving forward. But uh, I guess to answer your question in, in terms of elementary school, yeah, it would definitely be clubs and things like that where they would be getting uh, the opportunity to get involved with, with coding uh, or, or, or through things like robotics. First, robotics is a good example of where uh, students might uh, first get exposed to, uh, to coding. I think moving forward in the future, you're going to see a lot more students that uh, are a lot more, actually going to hear a lot more about it uh, in terms of your your children, my children, getting involved in coding now that it's part of the curriculum. In high school, it uh, speaking from experience, 
uh, teaching grade uh, students from grade nine to twelve. Typically, over the last fifteen years, where well, that's how long I've been uh, <laughs> uh, was first. Uh, not to date myself, but uh, or age myself, but um, in grade nine, it, it would be very typical for students to come in with very little knowledge of coding. There would be some maybe that have done robotics, uh, that maybe have been coding clubs that have some um, background knowledge with coding, but usually they come in with very little experience uh, in coding. Uh, and that's uh, it's been our task, um, our, our goal to to try and create some sort of coding continuum at our school where we can address that uh, uh, that missing piece. I think we like. I think coding is really uh, a critical thing for students to be learning as they go through school. Um, definitely, again, to, to help make them future ready. So, uh, trying to find a way to introduce them to coding uh, in such a way that it helps to build confidence, I think, is really important. Uh, a lot of students have this this. Uh, um, I guess coming into it, this idea or notion, uh, or I guess a stereotype, really, where. Coding is, is only for the really smart kids. You know, only the really smart kids can do that type of thing. It's more yeah. difficult for, for, uh, for me to do. And I think it's important uh, to help those students understand that coding is something that everyone can do. Uh, it's easily accessible to everybody. I think our job as educators is to, is to help them understand that they don't have to all become programmers. They don't have to all become coders. But I think we should help them understand that if they want to learn that, if they want to become coders. Yeah, so you said like some some kids will go into grade nine with very little knowledge on coding and that mm -hmm. just like I was laughing to myself in my head because I'm like here I am a mother of three I myself and am an educator at Humber College in the radio broadcasting program and I'm 40 and I'm thinking he just said that some of these kids don't have very much knowledge going into grade nine and I'm thinking even where I am right now I don't, I have zero knowledge on this. So what exactly, like we've been saying coding, but what exactly is coding quickly before we go to break? Uh, coding would be, uh, would be learning the languages necessary to actually program applications. Uh, that, that's it. And like it's base form. That's, that's what we're talking about here. So, I mean, in terms of teaching the students coding, it can take various different forms of the, the easiest way, I think, to start students into coding is just with something like block-based coding. There are some older applications out there on the uh, out, out on the internet, things like Scratch or Alice, that that focus on that block-based coding, and they try and gamify coding in a way to make it kind of challenge-based uh, to get students into it. But uh, Apple has has come up with uh, with a platform, uh, an application called Swift Playgrounds, that uh, that does an excellent job of uh, helping students learn how to code. And it's, it's something that uh, myself and uh, the educators at West Ferris were int introduced to back in uh, November of 2016. And it really was a game changer for us in terms of helping students to learn how to code, uh, to teach them the fundamental concepts that they need to understand to actually become good coders. That's cool. I think I'm going to look into that myself because you can do Swift Playgrounds on a Mac or an iPad, right? Yep, you can, yeah. Very, it's very gonna, you're gonna have to give me lessons, Brent. Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's a, a great application. It's free and it's uh, you know easy to install on an iPad or a Mac. Awesome. Okay, don't go anywhere because we are talking about Computer Science Education Week with educator Brent Yackelback. This is the Parenting Show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Now, back to The Parenting Show 
with Pina Crispo on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is Sunday night and you are tuned into the Parenting Show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca and I am joined with Brent Yakovac all the way from Chile, <laughs> North Bay, Ontario. <laughs> uh, Brent is an educator at West Bears Intermediate and Secondary School. He is also a dad of two, and he is a um, Apple Distinguished Educator. Brent, one of the other cool things about you, I have to say, which I learned, is that you were also nominated um, for a very special award. You were recognized uh, by the Prime Minister for the Prime Minister's Teaching Excellence in STEM Team Award. Um, That's like a pretty cool nomination to be recognized by the Prime Minister um, in this world of computer science. Like, those are some bragging rights right there. (laughs) It was... uh... It was a pretty humbling experience uh, to, to be nominated for uh, for that award. That was uh, a joint award. Uh, myself and my my best friend, uh, the co-lead of the STEAM program that I, that I work in, Ryan Colhain, uh, and I were, were nominated for uh, for it. And it was kind of, it's kind of a an interesting story. One of the uh, the teachers at the school, Karen Bond, who is a uh, SHSM uh, guru and uh, our co-op one of our co-op teachers. Uh, came to me one day and asked me if I would put together some notes on uh, on Ryan on the things that he he's been involved with um, over the years in terms of uh, teaching, coding, uh, coaching, you name it. And uh, told me that they were planning on uh, nominating him for a prime minister's award. And I thought fantastic. You know, Ryan's been teaching for twenty uh, some years now. Uh, he's, he's certainly a most deserving recipient of that. And it, it turned out a little bit later. I want to say about a week or so later that I found out uh, during a meeting that was actually. That they were nominating both of us for STEM awards, so it was kind of a just maybe a sneaky way to get uh, information uh, about my my good friend Ryan without without letting me in on the secret that uh, it was for actually both of us. So um, oh, that is it, amazing. Uh, yeah, it was really humbling and and uh, finding out the amount of work that uh, our coworkers uh, at the school put into uh, the application for us uh, was it was really touching. It really was. Uh, to, certainly, myself and Ryan appreciated it. Uh, we didn't win, unfortunately, like I said, but uh, certainly being nominated was uh, was a pretty huge event for us. Yeah, that is like that is definitely a big deal, Prime Minister Trudeau, like to be up for an award that he is his office is is handing out. That is, um, like I said, those are true bragging rights. Um, so before the break, we were talking a little bit about. Um, how Computer Science Week, uh, like what exactly that means and how it is incorporated into the curriculum at schools and what it's been like during this pandemic um, and how to even get started in it. But like, what does that mean? Like outside of school, us parents, what can we do to help get our kids? And we've been saying this a lot. We've been using this term future ready because I myself, know nothing about this you know i don't even i i've heard of stem or steam maybe you can explain what those two terms mean what the difference is between them and what it is are we learning alongside of our kids like as we're teaching them are we also teaching ourselves uh help me out here like for the beginners basic stem steam and what we do with parents so, uh, so STEM is it's the acronym for science, technology, engineering, uh, and math. 
STEAM, which is uh, the, uh, just it, it adds art to that. So you have science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. And I would argue if, if you're doing STEM, you're probably doing uh, art as well too. So really you're doing STEAM. It's something that brings in creativity uh, in, into the design process, I would say, when you're doing any kind of engineering. Uh, and it would be a big part of uh, my mind just kind of going to something like uh, app development as an example of that, where uh, creativity plays a huge part in it. But um, in terms of um, what it means in a school for us, it means not learning in a silo. So not just learning math in a math class or not just doing English in an English class, but trying to unify or marry subjects together, trying to show how uh, subjects can be integrated. So uh, it's, it's harder to do than, I, than I'm making it sound, perhaps. Um, one of the ways that we approach that is we come up with grand challenges or we'll, we'll come up with projects where we can integrate different subject areas together. So over the course of a school year, we might put together one or two of these great big projects, the students that are going, going to do that kind of bridge the gap between say math, English, and science. That sometimes too is tough depending upon scheduling, but uh, if you have the right group of educators that have a, kind of a shared vision and shared goals, which I'm lucky enough to work with a really great team of educators, you can do some really, really cool things uh, with that in terms of uh, STEAM. One thing that we've, we've been running for many years now, and unfortunately this year, because of COVID last year, weren't able to do it, a bit of a bummer because of that, is a project we, we call the Golf Ball Boat Project. And it, 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 the, the goal of this is to build a boat that holds golf balls and uh, to create a boat that uh, will hold the most without sinking. And it, it sounds kind of simple on the on the outside, but then what goes into actually doing this, there's the math aspect of it, uh, trying to teach the students uh, the volume of regular shapes, Archimedes principle in terms of buoyant, and buoyancy and things like that, uh, as well as bringing in the design iteration process. We literally start the students off with just some paper in a class and say, okay, you're going to try and build a boat out of paper. You know, here's some scissors, some tape, wow. get at it. You're going to try and design what this looks like. And then from there, getting them onto computers where they actually will go through the design iteration process with something like SketchUp or AutoCAD, where they, they will build a 3D model of what their boat's going to look like. And then from there, getting them into a shop and actually getting them working with some metal and uh, riveting this boat together, caulking the boat together, and then culminating that all off with a day. Usually in the summer, we try and run it. The last time we got to do it, we, we picked up uh, an eight-foot inflatable pool and filled up with water on a nice warm day, and everybody were outside with their golf ball boats. Um, my, my good friend, Brian Callhane, again, the co-lead of the program, uh, he was uh, happy uh, happy to volunteer to be the pool person. So he was in the pool with the boats as uh, they were sinking them so he could fish them out, which was uh, kids had a good time seeing him in there as well, too. And, you know, uh, finishing that all off after we're done with, okay, now you've done all that, let's reflect on the entire process. So let's get, in, let's, let's get into iBook uh, author, uh, and let's write this up in terms of what did you do? What, explain the whole process if, as if you were explaining it to someone who had no clue what you're talking about. How did this all go down? Uh, incorporating um, uh, 3D models within the iBooks as well as videos. And then the last, pe the last piece of it, which I think is maybe one of the most important parts, is a reflection piece where we ask the students to reflect now on everything they've done, how would you change what you did? What did you learn from the process? And how would you change? If you can go back in time and, and talk to yourself about the boat you designed, what would you suggest to do differently? So that's, it, I think that's a really good example of a, a STEAM project that you can do. But again, 
No, it it um, requires some flexibility with schedules. It requires the I think the yeah. right group of people, the right skill sets to to make something like that happen. But uh, the nice thing about it, I think, is anybody could get into doing it. It's just the willingness has to be there to do it. That's all. But that sounds so cool. And like, what better way to learn than hands on? I'm one of those people. I need to be hands on and I need it to be fun. Like that sounds like a lot of fun to me. You know what I mean? Um, And doing it like every little step of the way from the paper to jumping on AutoCAD, which by the way, like how old are these kids? These are, we usually do this with our grade nine students, nine or 10. It depends on, depends on how we can fit in the schedule. Something that we want to make sure that each crew of our STEAM students gets the opportunity to do. Like I said, it's it's a shame that we can't do it right now because of COVID, but as soon as that's all done and gone, we're going to get right back into it. And the students probably have so much fun doing this, probably make some great memories for them as well. You know what I mean? They can like look back on it and be like, I remember in grade nine or 10, we did the golf ball boat, you know? Um, which is amazing. Um, but something like that might not be the easiest for us parents to do at home, right? With our kids may not have access to like, you know, a little workshop to work with some metal and putting together a boat. So what Mm -hmm. are some things that I know, I know that you mentioned, um, I know that you mentioned the, um, Swift playgrounds uh, that Apple provides, which is a free, that's free. You were saying, right? Yeah, yeah, it's free, and you can run it on an iPad or, or a Mac now, which is really handy. So it gives you the versatility, versatility there. If you've got an iPad, you can run it off of that. If you've got the Mac, you can run off of that. Uh, I've, I just went through uh, teaching uh, two sections of students that from September to November. Uh, we spent about a good two weeks doing coding. Started them off with block-based coding using Spheros. So like I said, they don't really have a lot of background information on, on coding coming in or a lot of prior learning. So I had to ease them in with that. That would be a good example as well, too. If you're looking at doing coding at home, just to start students off with that or start kids off with it, something like uh, a, a programmable robot, I think, provides students with uh, a concrete example of what happens when they when they actually execute code, which is really neat for them to see. Not to mention the whole, if you've got a robot and you can drive it around, kids just love stuff like that. So it's, I think it's a good hook to get them involved with it. Um, as a parent, you'd be able to certainly learn right along with them in terms of what uh, you know what they're doing. Uh, and it... it that block-based coding is a good way to teach them some of the concepts that you're going to see in Swift Playgrounds later on. So it leads directly right into that. So they're going to learn about loops um, using block-based coding, and then they can go into Swift Playgrounds and learn more about functions and loops there. And with Swift Playgrounds, it's, it's designed in such a way that it's very intuitive, uh, very engaging. It, you're not controlling a robot, but it does have uh, a 3D avatar that you're basically navigating through a puzzle. And the goal being for you to successfully complete the puzzles by either collecting gems or going through portals or turning on switches or a collection thereof. That is so cool. Like, I'm thinking back to when I was a kid. I did nothing like this. But it's so funny because I'm looking back, I'm like, nope, never, never built a boat, never, uh, you know, programmed a, a robot. Here I was with, like, you know, throwing a tennis ball against a wall. <laughs> <laughs> with my friends you know and that was like that was our thing to do but like kids nowadays like I'm just mind blown even with the stuff that you're telling me but we keep saying future ready this is the way of the future Mm -hmm. everything is like technology based you know um so what better way to get our kids into this world than learning and doing these activities and these projects in school um 
right? Like coding, you mentioned, you know what I mean? The coding is a, is a big thing and kids are starting it like as young as like elementary school. Um, you're in high school. Students there are, are doing this stuff. Um, what about, you know what I mean? Like how does this stuff, how does say, say coding, okay? Um, what kind of transferable skills or like how can we apply that to everyday life? Can we apply it to everyday so- life? I think so. Certainly, I think uh, with, with coding, it it's you're, you're learning another language. So, in terms of, of uh, directly transferable skills, I think it would have a direct impact on on your uh, on a student's performance in things like math or science or English. And I, I say that because I think when you when you teach someone to code or when they learn to code, there's a lot of problem solving that, that's involved with coding, debugging code. When you make mistakes and uh, you have to go back and fix them, and I think that teaches students. Uh, how to be, how to better problem or to be better problem solvers. I think it helps them in terms of uh, their critical thinking, their logical thinking. I think it also helps to promote creativity. Some of the stuff that was talking about in terms of Swift playgrounds, there's actually multiple ways to actually complete the puzzle. So you know, there isn't just a one size fits all uh, type of answer sometimes to these things. And uh, I think that in of itself promotes creativity for students. Yeah, uh, also, I think in terms of self confidence, I think when when students see that they're able to do something like this. It's something that's also going to help build up that self-confidence for them also. And then to go along with the problem solving that, that, uh, and debugging, trying to fix those errors. That make, I think one of the best ways to learn is to get in and explore something, make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And I think that's yeah. a crucial thing for students to learn, uh, for children to learn. It's okay to make mistakes. You can learn from them. You can move on. And it also is going to help build up perseverance and their resilience. Yeah. You know what? It's so true. Um and I really like what you just said because there's some stuff my kids come home with, homework, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I can't even figure out this math or what kind of problem, <laughs> what kind of problem solving is this, you know, or problem, math problem is this. Um, but it's so true what you said. It's just like uh, debugging things, you know what I mean, and building that confidence. It is stuff that you can't actually use in real life. We are talking about Computer Science Education Week with educator Brent Yackelback uh, on the show today. We've got more, so don't go anywhere because we'll be right back. This is The Parenting Show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're listening to The Parenting Show with Pina Crispo on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Parenting Show. I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca. It is Sunday night. It is the last day of Computer Science Education Week. And with us, we have Brent Yackelback. He's a dad of two. He is a teacher at West Ferris Intermediate and Secondary School in North Bay. And he's also an Apple Distinguished Educator. Uh, Brent, we've been talking a lot about computer science. We've been talking a lot about the stuff, the, the work that you do um, at your high school and, uh, and what computer science means, uh, what STEM and STEAM mean, coding, all different aspects of things. Earlier this week, you actually did a little um, session online session for parents yeah. and teachers on how to get started in coding, right? Yeah, when, uh, Wednesday night, uh, I ran a, uh, a webinar on uh, Apple's Quick Start Coding Guide, which I think is a, it's an excellent resource to get uh, educators involved uh, in coding that are, that are new to it, uh, as well as I, I think it would be a great resource for parents as well, too, that are interested in getting their, their kids involved in coding also. You know, it provides uh, an outline for a series of activities that you can work through 
uh, com- kind of with uh, an idea, you know, kind of with a, a start and a clear start and finish and, and kind of goals in between. Um, yeah, it was a fun workshop to run. It, it actually marked kind of a milestone for myself and uh, and one of my coworkers there, uh, Ryan Colhane, uh, he joined me to help moderate the chat. And I think it it's the ninth or 10th uh, coding workshop that we've been involved with so far, which was pretty awesome. And so the Apple Quick uh, Start Guide to Code, that's something that mm-hmm. is accessible to everyone, right? So, like, we can yeah, just jump online and we can, as a parent, I can just access that yeah. and it's a free yeah, resource? Yeah. yeah, you can download that uh, and, and definitely a free resource. Apple's fantastic with providing resources like that uh, for parents and educators. They're all free. They're easily accessible. They're, they're laid out very nicely, easy to follow. Uh, along with that, uh, I would I would recommend maybe even checking out if you're going to get into Swift Playgrounds and, and, and work with that. There is a uh, teacher's guide for Learn to Code One and Two that are playgrounds that are free also that you can download. Uh, that resource provides uh, some activities that you can use kind of right out of the box, so to speak, as well as tons of information about the different concepts that are covered in Swift Playgrounds. Uh, video tutorials that explain how uh, different concepts work and uh, also solutions for uh, for all the puzzles as well too to help you work through them. So some fantastic free resources there. Uh, as an educator um, and, and speaking as, uh, as a, uh, someone that has been responsible for managing tech at our school for, for years now, and I know as a parent too, um, you know, trying to conserve money, that's, that's an important thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. It's always nice to have resources that are not only awesome, but free. So yeah, uh, definitely definitely. I would recommend checking out uh, those, uh, those resources. And what I love is that we are coming up to our school break, our winter break. And so that means we are at home with our kids. We're in the middle of this pandemic, you know, maybe activities and outings that you would typically um, participate in are not going to be available for us this holiday season, right? So we are going to be home and it is hard sometimes to just like get our kids like focused on something and do something um, besides, you know, just put them in front of the television and and watch TV 24 seven. Right. We want to be able to do things with them. Maybe something that uh, we can do together as a family and Mm -hmm. something that is educational. So this is actually the perfect time to, if you haven't got into this kind of stuff with your kids, um, this might be the perfect time to do that. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I think it would be a great time for uh, for people to take advantage of uh, of these resources and, and things like Swift Playgrounds as well as you know, other opportunities for coding. I know uh, myself, one of the things I've kind of got planned out for uh, for my sons to, to introduce them to uh, to coding is uh, bought uh, them uh, two little robots to play around with this uh, this uh, Christmas break, a Sphero and uh, just a little parrot mini drone. So uh, my my plan kind of is to try and introduce them to coding. Like I said before, I mean, like having the kids uh, code with robots, I think is a great hook to get them interested. But with Swift Playgrounds itself, uh, I guess just speaking from experience here, uh, through some of the outreach events that we've run, and maybe mention what uh, what I'm talking about, uh, our school and the STEAM program has run a series of outreach events for students over the last couple of years where we'll go into other schools. Uh, we'll bring our STEAM students, our grade 9 and 10, 11 STEAM students. We actually did one uh, to St. Padre Pio uh, Catholic Elementary School in Vaughan. Um, in 2019, I think it was, where we brought a busload of students down with the idea being that our students would go in and teach those younger students how to use wow. code, how to how to code, how to use a green screen, uh, things like that. So uh, where was I going with this? In, in terms of um, 
<laughs> during the Christmas break, break. Yeah, the stuff Swift that you're doing with your One boys and stuff. So, yeah. So with, with Swift Playgrounds, uh, this is what I was thinking about, was um, why I went off on the tangent, was watching little kids working with Swift Playgrounds. Uh, you know, you, you, can, you can literally show them how to do the very first one or two challenges, and they will just dive right in from there. It's that intuitive that you can just literally put it in front of them, and off they'll go working away on that for hours. So I think it is a, a fantastic thing to maybe put on the list of uh, stuff to do over the Christmas break. Now, is there an age, like, so I've got a five-year-old, that's my youngest, five, seven, nine. Um, is there, like, is my five-year-old too young for this? Like, at what age would be a great age to introduce them to this kind of stuff? So, uh, we, we've done... Uh, your we've boys done are four and seven, right? Yeah, my oldest is seven. Yeah, my youngest is four. Uh, I think my, my oldest son would be ready for it, definitely. My youngest, maybe not quite yet. Maybe four would be a little too young, but I think five is doable. I think definitely. We've we've uh, certainly done workshops where we've had students uh, as young as grade one and two working with it. Before. That's awesome. So there's a ton of, of stuff and free resources that us as parents can jump on and take part in with our kids, uh, especially now coming up to this break, um, which I think is really, really important. And, you know, for me, this is all new to me as well. So um, I think I would have a lot of fun even just doing the the research part, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the kids and, and playing with it myself because I myself am a big kid and uh, and would love to do this stuff. We're talking about computer science week. We're talking STEM and STEAM and coding and all the fun stuff that goes along with it with Brent Yakoback, educator, and we'll be back with more. So don't go anywhere because this is a parenting show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Now, back to the parenting show with Pina Crispo from ChicMama.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is Sunday night and you are tuned into Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is the Parenting Show. I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca. We are wrapping up Computer Science Education Week. And with us, we've got our special guest from North Bay. We're talking about Brent Yakoback, dad of two little ones. He's an educator at a high school out in North Bay, and he's also an Apple Distinguished Educator. Um, computer science is your thing, right, Brent? Uh, it's it's a, certainly a passion. My, I, I teach. Uh, I've been privileged enough to be able to teach science uh, as well as computers and, and, and coding at my school. So very lucky to be teaching in a specialized program that gives me the opportunity to do that. Yeah, and you you get to have a lot of fun with the kids. I want to come and join you guys next time you build the golf course. Anytime, please, yeah. Come on now. Come on up. It's got to be like, you do that in the spring, summer, right? Because I'm not coming to North Bay in the winter. No, you don't. It's starting to get a little cold here, so you probably want to avoid. Uh, That's my suggestion. (laughs) So, Brent, you know, we're wrapping up the show, and I want to know, you know, if you were to pick three top things that – you know, reasons as to why computer science is important in the lives of our children. What would you say? Top three things. So I think the, the first one is definitely the problem-solving piece. It, is, it, it teaches students to approach problems uh, 
in a logical way, uh, it improves their critical thinking and that problem solving. I think anything, anything that we can do as parents and educators that helps uh, our children or as students to understand that you can learn from your mistakes in a positive way is, is a good thing. And I certainly believe that coding uh, is a vehicle to, to teach students that lesson. Uh, it's important that they learn how to approach problems and proactively uh, solve them as well as reactively solve them when things go wrong, not panic, uh, you know, not give up, but to be resilient and persevere and, and to work through their problems until they find a solution. So I think maybe I actually give you more than three there. I'm not sure. but uh, <laughs> No, it's great. So, and I think, yeah, yeah, definitely coding, learning to code, getting involved with computer science. I think it, it the, the skills that you pick up there are easily transferable over to other subjects. So, I think getting involved in that is going to help our kids get better with math and get better with English, get better with science, uh, working through things like tech design and engineering also. That's awesome because it's it's not something, and you said it earlier in the show, it's not something that, you know, you guys teach kids and it's like, okay, everyone's going to go and be like a computer programmer now. Um, there are so many benefits to this that they can then take and utilize in different aspects of their lives, not only now, but as they get older. So I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I've never been a math and science person. Um, I'll tell you guys, those of you guys listening at home, um, and my oldest just heard this story and she was like, her mouth dropped and her eyes popped out of her head. But I think it was like grade 10 math that I walked into an exam I wrote my name down. I looked at the, the exam and I was like, all right, this is great. I picked it up and I handed it in. Needless oh, to no. say, I failed, of course. <laughs> in grade 10 science, I remember walking up to my teacher, Mr. Carbone, and um, it was the end of the year. And I'm like, just so you know, I'm never taking this again. <laughs> <laughs> this is my last year of science, you know. But back then it was very different. Had it been what it is today, uh, with the stuff that you're teaching, Brent, I think I would have really enjoyed it. You know, I had to then fall back on my languages and my arts. Um, thankfully, you know what I mean, for OAC French and, and all my OAC Englishes and my drama. But math and science were never my forte. Um, but I think that's also because it was never presented in a way that was fun and didn't really seem like, you know what I mean, mundane open up your textbook turn to chapter you know eight and this is what we're going to learn about it's it's hands-on it's fun and it's stuff that you can actually use in real life for sure agreed yeah yeah it, making uh making learning engaging it, it that's that's got to be a key component of what we do as parents and educators it has to we have to always allow for that element of fun and we can't just do things for the sake of doing them um i think Part of teaching, yeah, and I'm sure a lot of my colleagues would agree with that, is you're, you're part instructor, instructor, but you're, you, sometimes we have to be entertainers as well, too, to, to, to uh, kind of feel how our students are doing, uh, you know, see when they're kind of, you know, they're dragging, they're getting tired, yeah. they're losing them a little bit. you got to do something to reel them back in. So I think that's where, you know, uh, finding some ways to make learning more engaging for them, uh, that's, uh, that's on us to do as, as teachers and as parents. But uh, certainly... Yeah, certainly. I know from when I actually I actually graduated from West Ferris, so I I came back there nice. afterwards, which is a little strange uh, at first. But certainly, I I can see the way that education has changed since uh, since I was there also, and and now it's uh, 
very different, a very different world, very different landscape in education now with uh, the incorporation of more and more technology, but in a good way, definitely in a good way. I, I think it's, it's uh, helping to improve and enhance the quality of education uh, for our students, and it's giving us the ability to provide them with more uh, unique educational opportunities. Yeah, and, and, and just because today is the, the last day of Computer Science Education Week doesn't necessarily mean that it ends there, you know? No, um, this no. is something that we should be doing all year round with our kids. And, Brett, we were talking off air. We were saying how um, because this is still something that's pretty new, um, as parents, if our school uh, doesn't teach this kind of stuff, it is something that we should go to them, you know, and let them know that, hey, this would be really cool. Can we look into maybe bringing in um, some aspects of computer science? Or maybe if it is um, doing an online uh, webinar, you know what I mean, just mm-hmm. to get things yeah. going. Yeah, certainly, yeah. I think uh, if, if schools are, are, not, uh, are not teaching it yet, or they don't have educators there that are, that are working on this, Trying to find a champion, uh, somebody within the local community, educational community, to kind of take that on and uh, and, and help students and parents uh, learn and perhaps learn it as well. Like uh, there's nothing wrong with that that person uh, learning the same material at the same time. Um, certainly believe in that. Uh, admitting up front, you know, I'm not. Uh, when I first got into coding, I certainly wasn't an expert by any means. But uh, there's nothing wrong with learning a lot right alongside uh, the parents and students also. I think that is so important. And, and you said, you know, try to find someone within your community to help you out. Um, we can always reach out to you on Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Brent Yakobak, and I'd be, uh, be more than happy to, uh, to collaborate or share ideas uh, with anybody that, uh, that uh, would like to contact me. So I'm always more than happy to, uh, to share what I know and also to uh, hopefully learn some new things uh, from people also. So, guys, hit him up, Brent Yackelback on Twitter. Uh, check out Apple uh, for all the different free resources they have, including uh, the Swift Playground. So check mm-hmm. that out. And, um, and if you missed any of the show and you want to listen back, you can always do so on our podcast, which you can check out on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can download podcasts um, and listen back because, uh, Brent had some really good things to say um, that I think all of us parents really need to listen to. Thank you so much for joining me, Brent. Um, stay well, warm you. out in in uh, in North Bay, <laughs> and uh, and hopefully we will talk again soon. Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. It's fantastic. Thank you, thank you. And that's it for us, guys. But we will catch you guys next Sunday, eight o'clock, right here. Uh, on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This is the Parenting Show, and I'm Tina Crisp, Sheikh Mama Dossier.